Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, Broken Back Mountain, (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. How's it going, man? My back's not feeling that bad these days. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I, I thought that I had re-injured, like re-broken that vertebrae. But it turns I just out, wanted to say broken back I know, mountain. I know. That's that all was, I wanted to that say. That was the point for sure. What's up all of our peoples out there hanging out in the live group, the Fed Haters Club. Join GML.com. That's where you go if you want to hang out with us live every single day of the week, whenever we want. And that could be... If we want to go on that day, and then even if you have the day, you got no clue what time it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so you got to stay on your toes, or you at least have to have notifications turned on for the uh, announcements channel in the private Discord. If you, yeah, if you're in there, mm-hmm. yeah. We're going to start. And then uh, you can watch it whenever you want to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can decide do I want to watch this or do I not? Do I want to listen to it later? It's all about freedom of choice. Yeah. Here. We're going to start um, streaming like the first 15 minutes of the episode live on all of our social channels so we can try and bring in some more folks. Nate's got some plans. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. I came in with a list of things for Charlie today, so uh, I'm excited about it. I'm really excited. Oh, how the turntables. Well, we got some stuff to talk about and not a whole lot of time to talk about the stuff. And so Charles... Stuff talk. The, uh, or actually, I'll do this first one. You can do the, uh, the next one. Um, this is a cool... It's not White Pill Wednesday. This is kind of a white pill, unless you live in Oregon. And that's not good, specifically Portland. Listen, um, policies have consequences. Economics has consequences. And so this first story goes out to the people in Portland, Oregon, because Oregon lost a billion dollars of income uh, between 2020 and 2021. And by income, they mean theft. Yeah. As a result of residents fleeing the state amid surging crime, homelessness, and safety concerns. Now, the $1 billion, I think, is a uh, the total of the income of the people that left, not the tax revenue that they would have received from those people. A data analysis conducted by Oregon Live showed that 14,257 tax filers and their dependents left Mul- Multnomah County during the first year of the pandemic in 2020 and took a record $1 billion of income with them. The data showed that higher earners were more likely to leave since their jobs could be done remotely during coronavirus shutdowns and the average income of people leaving was 14% higher than the people who left the year before. Before 2020, Portland had experienced 15 consecutive years of growth. Mm -mm -mm. Mm, Oh, how the turntables. The Mm. 2020 exodus came... At the same time that crime in Portland began spiking, remember there were riots and stuff going on in 2020. Mostly peaceful, but people flee mostly peaceful situations all the time. It was actually just fake news. The the reason that people were leaving, they were watching Fox News way too often. Uh, Same time crime in Portland began spiking in the city, broke its homicide record in 2021, and then again in 2022. Mm -mm -mm. In addition, the homelessness crisis in Portland has continued to spiral out of control and several Portland business owners have sounded the alarm about the issue and the crime associated with it. Here's a quote from a 
Business owners, small businesses, and large cannot sustain doing business in our city's current state. We have no protection or recourse against the criminal behavior that goes unpunished. Our city is in peril, mm. says Catherine Seeley. That's peril. not good. Mm-hmm. I don't like peril. Not good. Mm-mm. Mayor Ted Wheeler's office reported a 50% increase in homelessness from 2019 to 2022. Whew. The flood of residents leaving Portland appears to have continued since the pandemic as Portland lost 8,308 people from July 2021 to 2022. Census data shows Portland lost the sixth most residents in the country over the past year. Mm. People voting with them feet, man. Is this the chickens coming home to the rooster? Yeah, I think so. Why? I mean, why do you think this is? I I thought if you lived in Portland, you're supposed to be down with all this stuff that's going on. I think this is what this is reaping what you've sown. Are they not compassionate enough? (laughs) They're just weeding out all the non-compassionate people. This is a good thing, actually. Well, obviously, these are rich white supremacists. (laughs) Yes, that have somehow found themselves in Oregon. Yeah, and then left for you know Mm -hmm. for for redder skies. And as uh, as Costco just said in the in the live group, just don't bring your voting patterns with you. That's something that in in Tennessee we worry about as well, because as Charlie has said before, like all of your neighbors are from California and you want people to leave. That's great to leave California, but you want them to remember why they left California, why it was that they thought that Tennessee would be a better place for them to live, why they didn't want to stay in the state that they're coming from. And they need to connect the dots between uh, the politics and the governance in those areas and not bring that with them when they come over. So I hope that they do that. But this is what happens, y'all. I don't know if the people in Portland, if the people running the government are going to notice this and try to change some things. Uh, But if they don't, it's not going to be good. The city's going to collapse. So what are you looking up right now? I was looking up what their income, their state income tax rate is. I'm trying to find, let's just say it's 5%. Did they have state income taxes? I think they do. I don't think I it's I thought just, they were one of the ones that didn't, but maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Seeing 6%, but I'm not finding anything. Uh, there's an estimated tax. I don't understand. Anyway, let's say that they. Emmy says we do have state income tax, no sales tax though. Okay. So let's say it's around, let's just say for round numbers, because I don't really know, it's like 5%. Mm -hmm. They lost a billion dollars, so that's $50 million. Is that what that comes out to? 5% of a billion? Yeah. Yeah. 50 million. They could have saved a lot of homeless people with that money. 50 million bones. Mm Mm-hmm. Have done, gone, and buried somewhere else. They could have redistributed that. Could could have done, this is, their reparations plan is falling apart. (laughs) It is. Okay, next thing on the list. This one's near and dear. No relation whatsoever, right? No, it's it's um kind of not relation. You'll see why we're talking about this. There is a video, but if you'll give everyone the the synopsis of the story real quick, girls. Mm. This good. is from CNBC. UAW, UAW, which is a union. They seek double digit pay hikes in Detroit. Three auto contracts contract talks Detroit three are like Ford yeah. GM and who's the other one Chrysler That's uh, St- Stellantis mm. owns Chrysler now mm. yeah all right UAW president Sean Fain said on Tuesday the union was seeking ambitious benefit increases 
in contract talks with the Detroit three automakers, including double digit pay raises and defined benefit pensions for all workers. UAW presented its economic demands to Chrysler parent Stellantis on Tuesday and will make presentations to General Motors and Ford Thursday ahead of the September 14th expiration of the current four-year contract. They include proposing to make all temporary workers at the U.S. automakers permanent, placing new strict limits on the use of temporary workers and increasing pay time off. Bain also wants increase in pension benefits for current retirees and to ensure all workers get defined benefit pensions. Bain said the CEOs of the Detroit Three saw their pay raise by 40% on average over the last four years. He singled out GM CEO Mary Barra, which, by the way, she and GM are leading the way, according mm-hmm. to the White House, in EVs. They are. No? They received $29 million of compensation. Slay in stock. No. And said it would take an entry-level worker at GM Joint Venture Battery Plant 16 years to earn as much as she made in one week. Huh. Fain listed numerous demands, including... Re- what a job, man. What? Be the president of a union. Mm-hmm. Sit around and then send off a list of demands to people who are doing the work. I know. What a job. It's awesome. Including restoring retiree health care benefits and cost of living adjustments. He also said the UAW was proposing to have the right to strike over plant closures and to eliminate the two-tier wage system under which new hires earn 25% or more less than veteran employees. They don't, hmm. they don't want new workers to earn less than veteran workers. That's going to go over really well for everyone. I bet everyone's super happy about that. I bet the veteran that. workers love that. Yeah. They're going to be really pumped. Okay, there's a little video. Let me show you how I heard about this because I listen to this podcast uh, called Fast Money every day on my way home. And um, this is how I heard the news and thought it was interesting. Melissa, this is a starting point, but boy, what a starting point for the UAW. You mentioned a 40% increase in pay. Here's how it would shake out a 20% signing bonus when the contract would be ratified. And then the UAW wants a 5% raise per year over the four-year life of the contract. They also would like the members to work 32 hours instead of 40 hours a week make the adjustment on the hours comes out to a 46% pay increase. In justifying the request or the demand for a 40% increase, the UAW said the CEOs of the big three saw their pay rise 40% on average over the last four years. We believe UAW members deserve the same, if not more. As you can imagine. All right. So why did I care so much about this boring story? Well, Charlie, as you know, we have been talking about CEO pay for a long time. And it's one of those annoying things that a lot of people don't really pick apart because it's typical for people on both the right and the left to hate people who are rich and uh, to hate CEOs of corporations and to hate corporations in general, even a lot of libertarians. The ones who give you a job, by yeah, the way. Yeah. And, and so we've been one of the one of the podcasts or media people out there talking about this. We sound like shills, you know? I know. And but it's like, just because we stand on principle. Here's why it's important. This, this BS, and by BS, I mean Bernie Sanders argument about CEO pay has made it all the way to the president of the UAW. And is, they are using the CEO pay argument that their pay has gone up by 40% to justify what equates to 
a 46% raise for all employees uh, at the Detroit Big Three. And the problem is the math don't add up on that. It really doesn't add up. You consider the fact that, uh, what was the lady's name? Mary Barra, who received $29 million in compensation. I went ahead and did the math for you and worked that out. Uh, let's say that she made nothing and you just gave that to the GM employees instead. We're using the increase in her compensation as justification for raising all of their wages, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just not pay her anything instead. And then... Every worker that works for GM would get 10 cents an hour off of what she makes. That's it. Are you sure? It's about 300 bucks a year. 10 yeah. cents an hour. Yeah. Something like that. For 98,000 employees in the U.S.? Well, there, I did all their workers. Um, 157,000? Yeah. That's, that's what that would come out to. Mm. Maybe it's 15 cents an hour. Maybe it's 20. It's not a 46% pay raise. I can tell you that much. But they're using this argument of someone making $29 million to justify what's going to equal billions of dollars in increased pay for the employees at, uh, at GM and the other automakers as well. And then the problem is once you go further down into the rabbit hole here, you find out that she made $29 million in 2021. But of course... As you said earlier, most of it was not from her salary. Her salary is $2.1 million. It was $2 million the year before that, meaning she got a 5% pay raise. The rest of it came from stock compensation. Most of that was in options. In fact, most of that are in options that she has not reaped the benefit of yet because they are tied to performance goals for the company. This is one of the annoying things that they used to do with Elon Musk when they said that he was the highest paid CEO ever. He got paid $2 billion. That was $2 billion by way of here stock options. And as long as you hit all these goals, then you get the money. And see, that's the thing. Yeah. It's a big risk mm-hmm. that they're taking, right? Then they would rather take the risk because they believe in themselves and they believe that they're going to hit these goals and therefore get compensated for it. What you don't hear about are the CEOs that get these options, usually for startups that end up going kaput Mm. and they never get to reap any benefits of their total compensation. It happens all the time. You just don't hear about it. You only hear about the ones who end up getting to reap some of the benefits of their total compensation package. Now, one of the things that they talked about, the union rep talked about also was that uh, there was actually a, a pay decrease or compensation for employees that went down in 2021. But what's the reason for that? They were shut down a lot in 2021. There were supply chain disruptions and they went to a lot of temporary workers because they didn't need full-time people because they weren't able to produce all the cars because there weren't any chips to make the cars. And so they didn't like potato chips, not potato chips, Taiwan chips, Taiwan semiconductor chips Mm -hmm. for these cars. And so they didn't pay out as much. Now she'll probably hit the uh, performance goals, I would assume. But what they do when they give the stocks and options away is they count that as if the person sold them already when, in fact, it, it is tied to uh, performance. So that is, uh, let's see, GM said 90% of Barra's and other executives' compensation is at risk, meaning it depends on GM's financial performance and meeting other goals and objectives. But then we take that money that they technically could get paid if it goes well 
and we use that to justify threatening a strike over the company uh, and saying that we should raise everyone's pay by 40% because their pay went up by 40% when it's a fake number. And reduce the work week by eight hours. Yeah, that too. You think, you think Mara, whatever, whatever, Barra, Mary Barra, you think she only works 32 hours a week? No, she probably works way more than that. <laughs> I would say. Now she's not on the factory floor or anything, but she's, she's doing work too. I think this is just a hatred for women. Honestly, I think that's all this is. Yeah. It's just all now these people hate women. Women have become CEOs. Now they want to complain mm-hmm. about CEOs. They're right? mad that she's getting paid more than they are. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think the feminists should be outraged by this. <laughs> you know, this is where it gets really annoying is where the, the rhetoric and the math don't line up. Uh, this is why we talk about the situation so much. And why is it important to you? Because what do you think is going to happen to the price of vehicles when everyone there gets a pay raise or they go on strike and they don't make either they go on strike and they don't make the vehicles, which would be really bad for the economy and really bad for the price of automobiles or they get to pay raises, which is going to be bad for the price of automobiles. I'm in favor of people getting pay raises, but I want it to be because it's what they earned and you'd rather pay them more than have them walk out the door because no one else is going to replace them for less money. That's when I think people should get pay raises. So let's move on to a another completely unrelated topic and this trucking firm yellow. Remember those trucks, the yellow on the side of them? Oh yeah. Ever seen those before? The yellow. They're not yellow, but yes. they say yellow in orange paint. Yes. In well, black. Well, the color yellow and orange has declared bankruptcy. Mm. Just so you know, the, uh, the trucking firm, this happened like last week or the week before, but I hadn't seen exactly why or the fact that they got so much money from the U.S. government and how corruptly, how it was tied so corruptly to Donald Trump, hmm. not Joe Biden. All right. Three years after receiving a $700 million pandemic era lifeline from the government, the struggling freight trucking company Yellow is filing for bankruptcy. After months long negotiations between Yellow's management and the Teamsters Union broke down, the company shut its operations last month and said on Sunday that it was seeking bankruptcy protection so it can wind down its business. The downfall of the 99-year-old company will lead to the loss of about 30,000 jobs and could have ripple effects across the nation's supply chains. It also underscores the risks associated with government bailouts that are are awarded during moments of economic panic. Okay, New York Times. I'm like, wow. Look at the New York Times talking about how the government's making bad decisions. Hmm. Oh, it was Trump. Okay. There we go. Now we found out why they can print this. Yellow received the $700 million loan during the summer of 2020 as the pandemic was paralyzing the U.S. economy. The loan was awarded as part of the $2.2 trillion uh, CARES Act, and Yellow received it on the grounds that its business was critical to national security because it ships supplies to military bases. Now, this is not one of those loans that they just got the write-off, by the way. They have to pay this back. And (laughs) here's the other interesting part. Uh, well, we'll talk about it. the fate of the loan is not yet clear. The federal government assumed a 30 percent equity stake in yellow. Hmm. I wonder who talked about that. So how they get the loan, the federal government assumed a 30 percent equity stake in yellow, who is now filing for bankruptcy in exchange for the loan. It could end up assuming or trying to sell off much of the company's fleet of trucks and terminals. Yellow is the third largest small freight co- trucking company 
and a part of the industry known as less than truckload shipping. The industry has been under pressure over the last year from rising interest rates and higher fuel costs, which customers have been unwilling to accept. So they haven't been able to pass on their own corporate greed to their customers, mm. I guess, meaning they weren't able to raise their prices as much as their costs were going up. So there was someone else being corporately greedy above them, mm. just so you know, even more higher level corporate greed. Those forces collided with an ugly labor fight this year between Yellow and the Teamsters Union over wages and other benefits. Those talks collapsed last month and union officials soon after warned workers that the company was shutting down. Well, I bet those workers are so appreciative <laughs> of their union. Badgering this company into filing for bankruptcy so all 30,000 of them can lose their jobs. <laughs> That's just great. And this is, this is what I've been dreaming of. You know? Yeah. You fight so hard and the company's like, well, you know what? We're done. That's it. You can get your raise. At the company that yeah. no longer exists. Hopefully someone else is going to hire you for more money. And by the way, if they're and here's where the market comes into play. It's, well, hopefully someone else is going to hire you for more money. Well, in a market, if there is someone that is going to hire you for more money. Now they don't have to. That trucker should have already gone to the company that was going to hire them for more money. Yeah. All right. That's what the market would dictate. They're all going to be applying to Taylor Swift's <laughs> trucking yes. company now. We'll get pre paid pretty well. You know, she, well, she gave them all like $200,000 bonuses. Did, Did she? She's, yeah. I didn't see, you see that. that. Yeah. How about that? She must've saw our meme that we put out there <laughs> a few years ago, long time ago. Uh, company officials place much of the blame on the union uh, saying its members caused irreparable harm by halting its restructuring plan. Yellow employed about 23,000 union employees. Uh, a quote from them says, We face nine months of union intransigence, bullying, and deliberately destructive tactics. The Teamsters Union was able to halt our business plan, literally driving our company out of business despite every effort to work with them. So what happened was they were in a bunch of debt. They got this, this pandemic loan. And they wanted to restructure their company. Now, when people restructure their company, they need to fire people. They need to make things more efficient. Uh, they, they need to decrease people's hours or they need to increase the amount of things that are in the trucks that are driving around. And if there is a union, they place all kinds of barriers in your way to firing people and decreasing people's hours and maybe not paying them the same or the same benefits or whatever. And so they weren't able to restructure to keep the company going. The Teamsters Union said in a statement uh, last week that Yellow has historically proven that it could not manage itself despite billions of dollars in worker concessions and hundreds of millions in bailout funding from the federal government. Uh, so anyway, the, the moral of the story is here, aren't unions amazing? Mm -hmm. They're just out there. And the government. And the government. Isn't the government. In oh. December of 2020, Stephen um, Mnuchin. Mnuchin was the Secretary of Treasury then. He defended the loan, arguing that had the company been shuttered, thousands of jobs would have been at risk and the military supply chain could have been disrupted. We don't want to disrupt the military supply chain. He also predicted that the federal government would eventually turn a profit from the deal. So good at businessing. Now, I forgot about the Trump the part. Best at it. Federal watchdogs and congressional oversight committees have scrutinized the company's relationships with the Trump administration. Donald J. Trump tapped Mr. Hawkins, that's who was running yellow, to serve on a coronavirus economic task force 
And Yellow had financial backing from Apollo Global Management, a private equity firm with close ties to Trump administration officials. Democrats on the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Crisis wrote in a report last year that top Trump administration officials had awarded Yellow the money over the objections of career officials at the Defense Department. The report noted that Yellow had been in close touch with the Trump administration officials throughout the loan process and had discussed how the company employed Teamsters as its drivers. And so, yes, I did mention the corruption because I believe that this Mr. Hawkins, who eventually ended up being uh, on the Coronavirus Economic Task Force, was also working out the $700 million pandemic crisis loan to keep Yellow going at a time that Yellow was looking at going bankrupt anyway. Of course, the uh, lockdowns did not help with that, but they had an excuse to give them money. That's the government spending your hard-earned money, taking 30% equity stake in a company that was already failing, and then a union preventing that company from doing the things that it needed to do to keep going, and the two of them working together to waste your tax money and to put their own union members out of work. So, great. That's great for everyone. Okay, short episode today, everyone. As you can see, if you're watching the video, Charlie already had to walk out. He's already gone, so just a 25-minute episode. That's all we're doing, okay? If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you smash that follow button, the subscribe button, the like button, all of the things on social media. Share the show with a friend, a family member. Hit retweet. Hit share on Facebook. Hit like on YouTube. Ring the bell thing that tells you when we put out new videos. All of that stuff can help us keep growing this show and getting this information out there. If you do all of the things that I just mentioned, and I mean every single freaking one of them, then we'll be right back again tomorrow. We got an interview with someone that people in the live group know. So tomorrow we'll be back with Amanda. And until then, you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.